from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. How much do you know about North Carolina agriculture? Look at some of the top products coming out of the Tar Heel State as we continue our tour of the Ag States of America. Will a farm bill get passed this year? This is the year we do the farm bill. Why top congressional leaders say it will happen as people in a small rural town look for answers following a train derailment and fire. We're going to hold them accountable. The latest as people return home with new concerns right now on Ag Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Some residents in rural America are on high alert right now. After a train derailment and fire brought concerns about dead animals and worries about the safety of their drinking water, it centers around the town of East Palestine, Ohio, home to about 4,700 people. This started when a train carrying hazardous materials derailed on February 3rd in the town near the Pennsylvania border. State officials say the chemical spill following the derailment killed 3,500 small fish across more than seven miles of streams. One resident about 10 miles east reported five of her backyard chickens died suddenly. She says they died after the rail operator burned train cars carrying vinyl chloride in order to prevent an explosion following the derailment. But state and federal officials say testing so far has shown things are safe and Ohio Ag officials say they haven't seen anything in the livestock community to cause concern. More than 200 homes in the area have been tested and cleared by officials. There's new things now that I think are the issue and going to be an issue going long term. One of the bigger ones that were lost was the petroleum lube oil. Uh, each tanker carries about 30,000 gallons of that, and there's two tankers unaccounted for. So that's almost six, or 60,000 gallons of that petroleum lube oil that spilled out into our local soils. Ohio's governor, Republican Mike DeWine, is now calling on Congress to look into federal railroad regulations he says he was told the railroad company was not legally required to alert anyone in the state about the cargo because only some of the cars on the train were carrying hazardous materials. The company should pay for everything. Uh, and, you know, I talked to the CEO yesterday. I said, look, uh, I said there's concern with some people in East Palestine that you're going to leave before you get the cleanup done. You're going to leave before the, the problems are, are dealt with. And, you know, he pledged to me we're going to stay. We're going to hold them to what they said. We're going to hold them accountable. Uh, they're responsible for this. They're responsible for a very serious train wreck that occurred uh, with some very toxic material. The official cause of the derailment is still under investigation. Will a farm bill get done this year? Well, some leaders in Washington seem convinced. Ag Day's Michelle Rook joins us. And Michelle, that includes the new Speaker of the House. That's right, Clinton. Many farm bill experts have been predicting the House will kick the can down the road and extend the current farm bill for one year. However, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy predicted the House will complete new legislation in 2023. At a farm bill listening session at the World Ag Expo in Tulare, California Tuesday, the House Speaker answered yes when asked whether a farm bill would pass this year with Democratic support. Well, I hope if there's one thing you see today is that this new Congress hears you. You got 10 members, bipartisan, the chairman of the Ag Committee, and this is the year we do the Farm Bill. House Ag Chair G.T. Thompson also predicts the House will get the job done on time, and he's setting the agenda. Well, the House actually takes the lead in writing the bill this time around. Uh, we, we alternate that with farm bills, and so that, 
that pen is firmly in my hands. And Thompson and McCarthy share priorities such as enhancing crop insurance to help specialty crop growers and provide risk management to mitigate inflation and high input prices. However, McCarthy signaled Republicans will review work requirements in the Supplemental Nutritional Assistance Program or Food Stamp Program, and that could be a potential hurdle ahead if it's seen as too onerous by Democrats. Beyond the Farm Bill, he wants fair trade. The central part of the country is in for some storms, everything from rain to snow. Meteorologist Chuck Heber is tracking it all. Chuck? While we're looking at a risk for severe weather from the Gulf Coast all the way up into the Ohio Valley, New Orleans, all the way up to Cleveland, it's going to be interesting, a chance for some hail, tornadoes, strong winds definitely not out of the question. On the north side of the storm, yes, snow, we have anywhere from Chicago, maybe a half inch to two inches, and then further to the north, a winter storm, it's going to get interesting. We're going to pile that snow up. And speaking of snow. Colorado is seeing another round of it this week, but this site is very important for farmers in the eastern part of the state. Sean Harkness of Towner is sharing this video. That's near the border with Kansas. It's an area that's 100% in drought. Sean's adding that it's a nice way to start the day. Okay, coming up, I'll have more on your forecast. And we continue to keep you updated on the Mississippi River, which hit historically low water levels last year, impacting grain movement. Mike Steenhook of the National Soy Transportation Coalition saying export operators are finally reporting a return to normal. He says that's especially the case along the lower Mississippi River. You can see the gauge height is much improved in Memphis. There are also improvements on the river between St. Louis and Cairo, Illinois. But there are still some barge loading restrictions. He says water level margins are expected to remain tight in the St. Louis area until water flow increase later this spring. Win the Furrow programming on Ag Day is sponsored by Zyway brand fungicides from FMC. Get season-long systemic disease protection from the inside out, from root to tassel and stalk to leaf. Go long with Zyway brand fungicides. When it comes to winning the furrow this spring, it all starts with the planter. Agronomist Missy Bauer walks us through some common checkpoints as part of a 10-point planter inspection. I want to hit a couple high points today, some of the common mistakes we do see made on the planters. Um, and, and one of those is just the transmission system itself. So highly recommend running your transmission system on the planter and looking through there. But the next real problem area we see is in the parallel arms. A lot of these parallel arms, the bolts and bushings are getting too wore out or guys aren't keeping these tight enough. So remember, we got eight bolts in every one of these row units and we want to make sure they're staying tight. This time of the year, what we want to do is actually uh, pull them out, take a look at them, you know, what's the condition of the bolt, if there's any threads or anything worn off. You want to inspect the bushing itself and make sure it doesn't have a mushroom or a lip to it, like this one really has a mushroom to it. The other thing is just see what it looks like or get a new bushing stick it in your arm and just see how much uh, wear there actually is in there. So I can take this bushing and you can really see daylight uh, next to it. So this is wore out where I've actually wore the arm itself. So new bushings in this case aren't actually gonna help. And we've seen this happen a lot as more planters have moved to the hydraulic downforce system, which I really like. We're getting big advantages on agronomically, but it's a much harder system on a parallel arm. So something we've got to keep a lot closer eye on. Another really common problem area of our 10-point check checklist that we see is in the gauge wheels. The gauge wheels just not being set right. 
So if I lift this gauge wheel up into the running position, this is how I'm going to check it in the shop. And then I'm going to make sure as I pull out on this, there's no space between the inside of the gauge wheel and the disc opener itself. To the point that when I let go of this, I can actually hear the rubber slide down the metal. Then I know I've got them about, too, uh, about tight enough. If they just slam down on us, then I know that we don't have them tight enough. But we talk about all of this in a lot more detail in the 10-point planner checklist video series. So I highly recommend that you go ahead and take a look at that. We've got some special uh, discount codes out there right now for you, so check out the website. Markets pull back midweek with grains all lower. We'll dig into that next in analysis. And later, social media star Charlie Barron's is on a tour of the United States of Ag. He stops in North Carolina in the country. Grain futures push lower on gaining strength of the U.S. dollar. Michelle Rook is back to dive into those markets with Brian Doherty. And Brian, it was a lower day in the grains. It looked like kind of a risk-off day, especially with that dollar shooting higher. Yeah, so you had the dollar uh, right away move higher. Maybe some concerns that interest rates are not done going up. Um, and so the dollar was firmer, energy prices down, not a lot of new news, not a lot of traction for anybody if you're bullish trying to buy some of these higher priced commodities. And we look at wheat lately, good rally off the low, 70 plus cents. Soybean meal hitting $5 or close to $5, $500. Uh, it's a big run in that market. And soybean oil hasn't come along with it. So you've kind of got this lopsided uh, movement in the beans, good strength on beans, good underlying demand, and big uncertainty yet with the southern hemisphere, the crops not in the bins, maybe some rain delays, maybe Argentina again, drier into the into the first of March now. Uh, but it just didn't seem like there was a whole lot of buying interest. And that's the way the market behaved. And I think we ran some stop orders early this morning as doing that set the tone. So do you feel like we've got most of the South American weather premium already kind of baked in here, especially with soybean meal now taking a big pullback? I mean, if we put a high end in the meal market? Yeah, it's a good observation. I would say mostly, but I'm not ready to go out on a limb yet and say that it's done because Argentina, if you remember, they had delayed planting to soybeans and corn because it was so dry. So the thought was, well, this delayed crop, if it gets right, the right moisture, it, it'll come along and maybe help shore it up some. And now we're talking about drier weather for the delayed crops. So right. I'm not so sure that weather market is dead. But as a whole, Brazil has a massive crop out there and um, it's it's inching closer to the market every day. And that's kind of the big story, what Brazil has and what will be available in the next several months. Plus, Brian, technically corn, beans, wheat all kind of ran up into chart resistance, didn't they? They did. You had some Bollinger Bands, you've had some new highs scored, and then you didn't have that real push right after that. And often when you get new highs and the market sort of sags, kind of look out below, you're going to get some correction downward. I think farmers selling the edge tire as well. And, and that just the combination of it. It's a, it's, a, it's a sluggish bull market right now. All right, we'll see if we get follow through or not. Thanks so much. Brian Doherty with Total Farm Marketing and more Ag Day coming up. To discuss marketing strategies, call 800-334-9779. Ag Day is sponsored by Germinator Closing Wheels. Germinator Steel Closing Wheels, perfected in conventional, excels in no-till. Order 12 to 16 rows today and qualify for free shipping or 20% off an end zone moisture management package.
meteorologist Chuck Heaver joining us, taking a look at this national forecast. And we've been talking about severe weather, but it looks like snow returns to some of the places that usually see it, like Chicago. Yeah, Chicago northwest of the storm. It's going to be interesting snow and then the threat of severe weather absolutely along a frontal boundary. Okay, severe weather and thunderstorms all the way from New Orleans, as I mentioned, into the Ohio Valley. A chance for some isolated tornadoes, damaging winds, hail, and heavy rain. Definitely not out of the question. Here's future radar shows the rain and showers, especially up to the north. Again, continuing throughout the afternoon on Thursday. And up further to the north, we're going to see some snow showers over near the Chicagoland area. And that's going to slowly work its way off to the east. You can see these storms all the way to the east coast on Friday by 7 p.m. Here's precipitation estimates over the next couple days. You can see a lot of that rain through the Ohio Valley all the way down to the the Gulf Coast. Most of this to the north and west of Chicago is going to come in the form of snow showers. Here's the jet stream on Thursday. You can see that buckle bringing that cold air behind the storm as it exits. That'll be short lived and then we're going to rebound in the Midwest up to more normal temperatures. You're going to see temperatures well above normal actually as that cold air keeps bottled up up to the north only with small intrusions along the Canadian United States border and then into the week next week. Some of that cold air dips down into the western part of the United States. The wind is also going to be something to talk about tomorrow. We're going to have gusty winds all the way up through and along that frontal boundary, which will set off the storms and those will slowly work their way off to the east as well and some calm wind on the back side of that storm, but there's going to be snow to the Chicagoland area and to the northwest with that in association with that storm. You can see that band of snow right there. In some cases, 6 to 12 inches on a thin band, but Chicagoland may see a half inch to more as you go up further to the north. So yes, still snow in February. Of course, we'd like to see that. We need that snowpack. Here are the temperatures. We're going to see uh, temperatures in Cincinnati at 67 degrees today, but then that cold air slowly works its way in. And there you go, the cool temperatures in the evening. And then we rebound nicely. Cincinnati is then, though, at 36 degrees. All right, a closer look at home. Bloomington, Indiana, 63 and 27 with showers. Olympia, Washington, 47 degrees and 34 with rain and snow and Dodge City, Kansas, a high 31 and a low of six. Drover's Report on Ag Day is brought to you by Beringer Ingelheim because cattle first is a remark only made remarkable by you, producers and veterinarians across the country. New details about an Arizona rancher being held on first degree murder accused of killing a Mexican national. 75-year-old George Kelly of Kino Springs is the man accused. Now, in court documents, Kelly's attorney says her client first heard a single gunshot, then saw a group of men moving through the trees around his home who were armed with AK-47 rifles, dressed in khakis and camouflage clothing, and carrying large backpacks. The attorney says Kelly called Border Patrol to report it and then went onto his porch with a rifle. She says the leader of the group saw Kelly and pointed a rifle at him. Fearing for his life, court documents say Kelly fired several shots, hoping to scare them away, taking care to aim well above their heads. Now, later that day, Kelly went to check on his horse and found the body of a man lying face down in the grass. Kelly is being held on $1 million bond. You may have heard about this. Over-the-counter livestock antibiotics will soon require a prescription. The change will happen on June 11th. 
That's when medically important antimicrobial drugs will require veterinary oversight. Experts say don't wait. Get to know your local veterinarian now and establish a veterinarian-client-patient relationship. That will allow you to buy antibiotics directly from the vet or from a distributor with the vet's prescription. They say most vaccines, dewormers, injectables, and oral nutritional supplements, along with topical treatments, won't need a prescription. For more information, head over to drovers.com. Every state has a unique piece of the agricultural pie in America. We'll see what's cooking in North Carolina. Next, as social media funny man Charlie Behrens takes us on a tour. United States of Ag in the country. In the Country on Ag Day is brought to you by Pivot Bio. What if you had the nitrogen you need already on seed? Pivot Bio is the first company to apply nitrogen on seed. The nitrogen you need, now on seed from Pivot Bio. Learn more at pivotbio.com. Great ag comes out of North Carolina. How do we know? Charlie Behrens shows us in another edition of the Ag States of America. That's right, we are talking about North Carolina. North Carolina is an extremely diverse agricultural state with more than 52,000 farms across 8.5 million acres of farmland, including over 1,600 century-old family farms. Just to provide some context, here's a short list of all the things North Carolina is a top producer of in the US. Sweet potatoes, tobacco, Christmas trees, turkeys, trout, strawberries, pickling cucumbers, eggs, blueberries, peaches, peanuts, apples, catfish, watermelons, tomatoes, corn, soybeans, cotton, cattle, grapes, bell peppers, squash, to name a few. I think you get the idea. North Carolina is basically the Michael Jordan of agriculture. The state also ranks third in the nation for raising hogs and fourth in the nation for broiler chickens. But can you guess which crop North Carolina reigns number one in? I'll give you a clue. It's sweet. I'll give you another clue. It's a potato. If you guess sweet potato, I don't know where you came up with that answer, but you would be correct. Now I know what some of you are thinking. Is a sweet potato really a vegetable? Well, unlike a potato, which is a tuber, the sweet potato is a root vegetable that grows underground. So, root vegetable, yes, it is a vegetable. And sweet potatoes are actually very rich in antioxidants called beta-carotene, which helps boost vitamin A, and they are full of nutrients and fibers that make you feel fuller for a longer period of time. So, you know, maybe that upcharge for sweet potato fries is actually worth it after all. Sweet potatoes can also be boiled, steamed, and even baked. And thank goodness North Carolina grows enough sweet potatoes. 1.7 billion pounds a year to be specific. That's enough to make 850 million sweet potato casseroles, which would only require 557 million pounds of marshmallows. Who wants to play Chubby Bunny? Also, did you know North Carolina is second in the nation for growing Christmas trees? That's right, with over 1,300 farms on more than 40,000 acres in and around the Blue Ridge Mountains, North Carolina grows more than 20% of our nation's yuletide trees, cutting in excess of 4 million each year. 99% of Christmas trees grown in North Carolina are Fraser firs, which are shipped to every state in the U.S., as well as the Caribbean islands, Mexico, Canada, Bermuda, and Japan. Now, I don't want to get sappy here, but what would Christmas be like without North Carolina? Ho, ho, ho. And Christmas isn't the only holiday that North Carolina makes festive. In fact, the state started to gain notoriety for growing pumpkins as well. 
And while the lion's share of pumpkins grow in Midwestern states like Illinois, North Carolina is ranked number four nationally in the production of pumpkins with 94 million pounds produced annually. This growth has been spurred on by the pumpkin-friendly climate in the northeastern part of the state and the strong demand throughout the southeastern part of the country. All right, thanks, Charlie. Now you can watch more of these state-by-state -state features at pivotbio.com forward slash originals. And that's all the time we have this